Good morning, everybody. Welcome once again. My name is Alan. So glad to have you with us. As I was sitting there listening to DeAndre, I was thinking, you know, some Sunday, uh, I wonder if we should just take the whole hour and, uh, and just let DeAndre share whatever is in his heart to say or to sing, just for the whole hour. Don't you think that would be a great... I think some really great stuff would come out of there, as it always does. So anyway, uh, I'm thrilled to be with you and thrilled that you are online with us. So thankful that uh, you are with us. Last week, Jan and his wife, Lindsay, did a great job of reminding us that this is a different kind of Christmas because this has been a different kind of year. So this Christmas, there will be less traveling. This Christmas, there will be less shopping. This Christmas, there will be less gatherings in different people's homes. And who gets to go where? And do they actually get to go inside or outside? Do they get to use the restroom inside if they're secluded outside? It's a different kind of Christmas. 2020 is not going to be one of those Christmases that just rolls into a gathering of all the other Christmases and kind of gets lost in the mix. 2020 is a different kind of Christmas. It's not your typical do whatever we did last year and then add a little bit more, which is the way we typically seem to view Christmas and Christmas lights and presents. Do whatever we did last year and then just bump it up, give it an increase in some way. So it's a different kind of Christmas. And for some of us, that's frustrating. It's frustrating because we don't get to do some of the things we want to do. We don't get to be some of the places that we want to be or love to be around Christmas, and, and, and it can also be scary. It can be scary because uh, we're having to think about and, and deal with stuff that we don't normally have to deal with around Christmas time. What if there was some part of our Christmas experience in this unavoidable reset that we have this year? What if there was some part of this year's different Christmas that was good, that was better, that was unique, that was a way for us to think differently about Christmas. This morning, I'm going to be very practical. I mean, annoyingly practical. I mean, get out of my face practical with you, okay? What I'm going to do is I want to give you an idea, just a little idea, a thought for you to consider as you have five more days left between now and Christmas, to think about how you are handling this different kind of Christmas. All right? That's what we're going to do today, and it it will be relatively painless. All right. Would you bow your heads with me? I'd love to pray with you. God, so thankful, um, once again, that we do need to gather here, whether it is presently here in this room or online, we get to gather, and we get to set aside the week Many of us here in this room, we're, we're done with school. This is, this, is a, this is a break. This is the beginning of, the, of this break. And so, God, we want to pause right now and acknowledge who you are and be thankful for who, who you are, God. Some of us are frustrated. Some of us are afraid. And yet, in the midst of this season and every season, you want us to experience hope and joy and peace and love. And so, God, would you help us do that in a different way today, this season we pray. Amen. Okay, okay, 
A little, little uh, a participation from you is what I'm looking for here today. It's mild. Again, it's not going to hurt. But I do, I would ask if you would find some way to, to write. Because I would like you to write a list. I want you to write your Christmas list. Not the stuff you want, but a list of people that you want to that you have wanted to or whatever want to bless with Christmas. Now, before you start writing here, at home, uh, get a piece of paper, get a pen. Unfortunately, we don't have uh, pencils available in the spots in front of you here in the room. But at home, please get a piece of paper, get a pen, get something to write on. Here, if you don't have something to write on, you all have phones. Get your phone out. You can write yourself an email. You can use the notes uh, format in your uh, phone. Be great. Be much more participatory for you to just go ahead and write some names down. You can make a virtual list in your head if you would like. This is a list of people that you want to take the opportunity this season to show how important they are to you. This is your Christmas list. Who are the people on your list? So most of us are going to start with family. You start writing, and some, some family members, that come by real quick, of course, of course, of course. And then you get to the ones where you slow down a little bit. Okay. And you delay a little bit before you write it down, but you get through the family. You have neighbors, you have coworkers, you have friends, some of which are in the want-to category, others of which are in the have-to category. But just go ahead and write down your Christmas list. It might include the UPS uh, delivery guy, because you're seeing him a lot uh, this season, and so you just want to bless this guy. It might include the, the, the gal who gives you your coffee every morning, wherever you go to get your coffee, and she just has a big old smile every morning, and you want to bless her in some way. What is your Christmas list? Go ahead and keep writing names. You can keep writing names as I continue to talk. Now, as you look at that list, are there any on that list uh, uh, for whom you have not yet purchased or gotten anything for Christmas? Some, they're on your list, and you, you're not even sure yet what to do with that person. Maybe there's somebody on that list that you ordered something online for, and you're getting some evidence lately that says it's not going to arrive on time because COVID delays. That's, that's the default now. So they just say COVID delays, which means they can give it to you, even though you paid extra for shipping, it's not going to be here on time. And so you, you're kind of getting a sense of this, and you don't want to do that whole lame thing where they open up a gift, and then they see a picture of the thing that you meant to buy them. And, and nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to receive that. And so if you have any anxiety about your Christmas list right now, I have a practical idea that I want to suggest. Seriously. And I'm going to get to that in just a moment. Okay? Okay, I'm going to get to that. Now just set that list aside for just a moment. Set that list aside. Because this is Christmas. This is Christmas. This, this is, we all know the Christmas story. We at least know some version of the Christmas story. We at least know some part of the Christmas story. You may not know all of the elements, all of the pieces, but we all basically know the Christmas story. We just sang through a lot of the details of the Christmas story having to do with angels and shepherds, etc. We know the Christmas story. It's a story that had a period of 400 years prior to it where God was silent. We have the Old Testament story where we know some of the pieces and we don't know some of the pieces because it's a big chunk of history. And so we have the Old Testament story. And then there is a 400-year period of silence with no prophets and no miracles and no words from God. 
And then an angel named Gabriel appears before Zechariah, as Jan talked about last week, and says, your wife Elizabeth will give birth to a son, and his name will be John, and he will prepare the way of the Lord. And then that very same angel, Gabriel, this guy must have been a special angelic being to to have gotten both of these assignments. He also later on was told to go to Mary. Goes to Mary and famously says in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 30, do not be afraid. That's how Gabriel started the message to Zechariah as well. Do not be afraid. That's what angels say because they are beastly, amazing things. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high God. And then a little time passes and little John was born. And the people who knew the family and people who knew John said, this is a different kind of boy. And he grew up to be a different kind of man, John the Baptist, preparing the way for the Lord. And then Mary, a very pregnant Mary, and her fiancé, the equivalent, basic equivalent of a fiancé, Joseph, they had to make a trip to Bethlehem because of a census. And so they made this trip, and everyone along the way, and everyone they saw, family, friends along the way, they, they, they looked like a young couple who were physically impatient in their courtship. And they landed at Bethlehem, and they gave birth to Jesus in a... In, 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 a, in an area where the animals were staying because there wasn't enough room at the inn. And then uh, another angel, it's not designated that it was Gabriel again. He didn't get all the assignments, but uh, it looks like perhaps a different angel had the opportunity to go then share this news of the birth of Jesus to the shepherds. We see this message in, in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 10, where the angel begins once again, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And so the shepherds and the magi, they, coming from different directions and different uh, promptings, they find their way to this young couple and see this baby. They, they don't arrive at the same time. We all think that they were there together at the same time because of the, 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 the classic nativity photo that we're all used to. But they don't arrive at the same time. They arrive at different times. It could have been significantly different times. But they all come to this event and gather to see the baby, to, uh, the, the baby of this young couple. There's just a few people in the story. There's just a few participants in this story. This story that changed the world, that is the center of the Christmas gathering, only a few people actually even cared that it went on. We, we don't even know the year that it happened. We don't even know the actual year that it happened because no one was even keeping track of this unknown couple and their unknown baby. This miraculous, world-changing event happened, and a few people were part of it, and most of the world missed it had no idea that it even went on, that it even happened. It was much later on that they looked back and said, hey, when do you think that actually happened? 
Most of you know the Christmas story, or at least a version of the Christmas story. But do you know why? Do you know why the Christmas story? Why, after 400 years of silence, did this story kick in? We know details about the Christmas story. Some of us know a lot of details about the Christmas story. But do you know why? Why did it happen? Was it because... God started with plan A in the Old Testament. God, and it was a failed experiment. That God started with rules and laws and prophets and boundaries and guidelines for his people. And they just couldn't follow it. And so, so that experiment didn't work. And so God had to come up with a new plan. God had to come up with plan B. So he had 400 years to assemble this plan and said, here's what we're going to do. Here's what's next. Or... Do we have a Christmas story? Because God wanted to tell a unique story in a world where many Greek gods and Eastern gods had tremendous power and were significantly above human beings. He wanted to have a story that was so radically different where a baby, a, a helpless baby shows up to be the center of this whole story. God wanted to stand out among all the stories about, about God origins, etc. Did God want to do something unique? It certainly was unique. Or is it because there were hints given throughout the Old Testament story about what this Messiah was going to look like? And even though the, the Jesus that we celebrate is very different from what they were looking for, the Messiah they were looking for, that there were, there were what we've referred to as prophecies, fulfilled prophecies from the Old Testament that were fulfilled in our Christmas story. And so was it that the whole Bethlehem and details of the story, that a number of these details were actually aligned and set up way ahead of time? So this was just the fulfillment of a story that God had planned all along. And so this was just kind of the flow of the story. We know the Christmas story, but do we know the why? I believe you do know the why. I am confident you know, you know exactly what the why is. And as much as you know the Christmas story, I'm confident you know the why of the Christmas story. And it is this. Tim Tebow. John 3.16. The most known and famous of all verses in all of Scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Why the Christmas story? Because God so loved the world that he gave. God so loves you that he gave you the greatest gift that you didn't even know that you needed. That when you were born, you, this gift was available to you so that at some point in your life, you could say yes to this amazing gift. God loved you, loves you so much that he gives you, even if you don't even think you ever want this gift, this gift is available to you. God loves you so much that he gives you a gift that you cannot give yourself. Theolo the theological part of the why of Christmas 
is that, is John 3.16, the theological part of it. This is why the Christmas story is, is more than just a great story. It's more than just a great God origin story. It's why the Christmas story is a sacred story and has been for 2,000 years. Okay, now I want to ask you to pull out that list again. Take out that list and take a look at it. God so loved the world that he gave. Do you love the people on that list? Now, don't start crossing names off. Because the point of this is not, is not, okay, now at this point, that you're going to say, no, nope, nope, definitely not, never have, nope. Uh, UPS driver, man, I want to bless this guy, but I, I don't love my UPS driver. Okay, so, so don't cross any names off. Seriously, don't, if you've already crossed the name off, just use the magical pencil and, and erase any name on there. Don't cross any, na- any, any names off there. If you put a name down, you put a name down for a reason. Let's consider that a sacred document this morning, okay? Don't cross any names off. Do you love the people on that list. Now, love is a fuzzy word. It's a complicated word. We, we love our spouse and we also love ice cream. And so love is a, is a very difficult concept. So, so what do you mean by love? So the functioning definition we're going to work with today is the idea of, of love being uh, if, if I love someone, then I truly want what's best for that person. That I am willing to make a sacrifice for what I might want, what, for what might be beneficial to me, because of how much I want something good for that person. So love is I truly want what's best for that person. Do you love the people on your list? Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. This is not fuzzy, questionable theology. This is absolute, rock-solid, foundational stuff. Jesus says we are to love one another. We are to love one another. This This is crystal clear foundational stuff. Do you love the people on your list? Okay, now. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave. What can we give the people on our list to show them that we love them? God modeled how to do this. God modeled how to do this. What can we give anybody on our list, whether you've already given them their present or not, what can we give the people on our list to show them that we love them? Because that's really what giving is all about. We've messed it up so completely, you know, we've totally messed the whole thing up. And so, so what we're so driven by is, you know, different things. So I'm not talking about what can I give someone to have some kind of balance with what they gave me last year. That's often a 
driver for us. What can I give my kids so that there's an, an equal amount for each kid? And so we balance this out and, you know, good parents do this because what they don't want to happen is to ignore that reality and then years later, one of the kids is in extra counseling that we end up paying for anyway because of the imbalance there. And so there's an importance there to say, we want to keep this equal, we want to show equal love to our kids. This is, this is, but I'm not talking about that. And I'm not talking about that, that guilt giving where we just say, I just don't want him or her to, to be frustrated or angry with me because they believe that I'm being cheap or I'm being thoughtless here this season and so I got to give. Or I'm not talking about that kind of motivation. I'm not talking about that kind of drive. What can we give someone on our list? You made the list. It's not my list. You made the list. What can we give someone on our list to show them that we really do care about them, to show them that, that we really do what, want what is best for them. Tammy and I have been married for 23 years, and we have come to the point in our journey, in our relationship, where we no longer buy gifts for one another. We just have decided that it's just so weird, it's so messy. We just, we just don't buy gifts for one another. I don't recommend it. That's not a recommendation here today. That's not my grand idea. Do not recommend it, but it works for us. Okay, here's how it works. Tammy will, somewhere around Christmas, she will find something that she wants or that she's interested in. She will buy it for herself. She will tell me what she bought and then thank me for getting it for her. And I'll say, you're so welcome. Aren't I a great husband? This year, you know what my wife got me? She got me a brand new set of disc brakes for the front wheels of my old Volkswagen bus. She's so awesome. I mean, that is a loving wife. Merry Christmas to me. So I'm, again, I'm not recommending it. I'm just saying it works for us. But, but in light of the, the thinking about the why of Christmas... The why of Christmas, for God so loved the world that he gave. What can I give my wife to show her that I love her? That, so, 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 you know, the whole gift exchange gets a little bit weird and all that, and, and it works for us. But what can I do? What can I say? Well, how can I love my wife in a way that says, I want to give you something to show you that I really do love you? My wife... Um, she loves a, 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 um, a clean and uncluttered home. She loves it in a way that I will never understand. <laughs> that, that, that I walk into a room and I could walk into it a hundred times and she'll say things to me like, you didn't notice that? And I'll say, notice what? Because I just don't have the same eyes that she has. But she loves a clean and uncluttered home home. And, and, and so, uh, uh, which makes it such a big deal that there is one corner of our bedroom, and it is in the worst room in the house. It's in our bedroom. We have one corner of our bedroom that, that, that is a collection of things only I can get rid of. Yeah. Yeah. And let me give you an example. The, the biggest thing in there is a full-size grandfather clock. So we're not talking about, you know, a few little trinkets in a little box. You know, we're talking about a full-size 79-inch grandfather clock in the corner of the room that doesn't work. And it's just collecting dust. This was my mom's, 
And it was willed to me after she passed away and then sent from Canada down to us. And it was put on the back of a truck because somebody else was coming here. And so got here and we got it safe and we wrapped it up and unwrapped it and the whole thing. And set it all up there, and it never has worked properly. And, uh, and so it just sits in the corner, and we don't know what to do with it. My wife, who loves to have a clean and uncluttered home, she, she, can't, she can't just get rid of it. She's not a sociopath. And so it just sits there. So I was sitting looking at it, and I just, I just know what she wants from me is to clear out that corner. And she wants me, if we can keep the clock or not keep it, that's not the thing. She just wants me to clear out the corner. Either fix the clock and let's find a good place for it, or let's, let's let another home enjoy the clock. Whatever. And she has been lovingly silent for what seems to her like 400 years perhaps. And so this year was the time where I looked at it and I said, it's time for me to let the clock go. And so I took the pictures and did the research and put it up on Craigslist. And right away, I got a hit from a scammer in India. So I knew that I was doing something right. I was on the right path. Haven't had any other hits so far, but it's up there. And the message has been sent to my wife that, that I want to take steps to show you that I love you. This is something I only I can do for her. She can't do this for herself. She can't buy this for herself and then say, hey, thanks, Alan, for getting that for me. What can you do for someone on your list that only you can do, that that person cannot do for themselves? This is a different kind of Christmas. What if, at least for someone on our list, we were able to give a different kind of gift? Maybe it means someone on your list needs you to give them a word of encouragement that you don't want to give. It's somebody at work, it's some other relationship, and you, you, just, that is just, you just do not want to give that. And maybe what love looks like is to so love that person that you actually give what you don't want to give them. It's a sacrifice to give that. Maybe it's a word of forgiveness to somebody that they so desperately long to hear from you. Maybe it's permission to do something or to, to, to get something. And, and as you think about it, you just, this, this, is, this is what's best for them. And I'm actually holding them back. What can you do? What can you give someone that you care about, someone that you love, to show them that they're important to you? To show, to, what can you do that is, that is truly best for them? It's such an important question. What is truly best for them? Giving a 10-year-old a new phone for Christmas will very likely make them happy. But it may or may not be the best thing for them. I'm not judging. I'm not evaluating. I'm just saying it's important for us to ask that question. What is the best thing for them? Giving a 16-year-old a brand new car is a tremendously generous thing but it may not be the best thing for them. What can we do for the people on our list that might even involve sacrifice on our part to give them something that they cannot give themselves 
that really is the best thing for them. It's what's best for them. Coming from a loving place, not a controlling place. This is a different year. This is a different kind of Christmas. So maybe we can give different kinds of gifts. Gifts that start from a place that says, I so love you. I so care about you that I will blank. Maybe we can give gifts that start from that place instead of all the mayhem of where we typically tend to start our gift giving. I so love you that I will blank. The basic version of this is to think about the person or the, pe- or the couple people that you love the most in life. How can you give a gift like that to them? The advanced version of this that I have not yet graduated to is to look at the people after number 10 on your list. <laughs> if you have 10 on your list. But to look at people deeper on your list or even people who are not even on your list. How can I love you in a way that is in your best interest, that is perhaps even sacrificial on my end, to show you how important you are. God so loved you that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So Merry Christmas to all. I'm going to pray with you, and then the band's going to come out and lead just a big, great song. Would you stand with me as we pray, and then we'll sing one more song together. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you for the gift of your son. Help us to, to never forget that. We get, we, get so, we get so spun with all the different details of Christmas. God, help us to, to not forget the gift of your son. That, that the greatest gift we could possibly receive is your son, Jesus. The greatest gift we could give to son, we could tell others is the gift of your son. And so may we think differently about gift giving this year. This is a different kind of Christmas. Would you inspire us to give different kinds of gifts that celebrate who you are and what you have done for us? We pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.